Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 254th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the Professor Emeritus, Matt Perkins. We are without the coach tonight. He is on spring break in Florida, as uh, people are wont to do these days. But we are still joined by a man who never fakes the funk on a nasty dunk. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Well, you know, without the uh, talkative coach here, this will probably be about like a ten to fifteen minute show, would be my guess. You think it's gonna go? You think it's <laughs> gonna go that long? We'll find out. Well, we will. Um, and another thing that we will be finding out about is the NCAA basketball tournament, because college basketball, well, it's tourney time, guys. We, and we already know that FCS football is in full swing, as is the NBA. And now that schools have punched their tickets to the big dance, the tournament is here, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest at Bet Online. Bet Online is your spot for all the bracketology needs. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Josh, when it comes to the tourney this year, Obviously, brackets came out on Sunday. We're recording this on Tuesday night. A bit of a different time frame, a bit of a different schedule to games this year. So it's going to be a little bit different. We've got like reserve teams that like may make an appearance if there's a, for if there's a COVID knockout before the games even start. With all that being said, who do you like this year? Is there any? Uh, do you have a dark horse that you're really into, or are you going to be going chalk? Well, I'm not going to quite go chalk. I never go chalk every year. Uh, it's very rare to get all four one seeds. Um, having said that, the West region, which is top seeded Gonzaga's, unfolds very nicely. Uh, as the top seed, they have the worst, unquote, uh, two seed in their region, which is Iowa. These two teams actually played each other in the non-conference. Gonzaga outclassed my Hawkeyes. Um, so even if that region goes chalk and it's somehow Iowa-Gonzaga in the Elite Eight, would not be worried about Gonzaga. So I've got them winning that region quite easily. The South is really interesting. Um, Villanova is without their starting point guard. He's lost for the year due to injury. Winthrop is a popular pick. Purdue has had a tournament bugaboo about them. Uh, Wisconsin and North Carolina are both power conference teams of that 8-9 seed. That are both underachievers. Yeah, so there's a chance of some mayhem in that region because Baylor is 22-2 and and a really good team, but since their COVID layoff, they've been a very different team. So if you're looking for mayhem, the South might be that region. Yeah, I'm going to just jump in really here really quick on the South. I think Baylor is the weakest of the four one seeds. Uh, Illinois appears to be peaking just at the right time. I've been a full believer in Michigan this year. Obviously, Gonzaga, they're 26-0. Baylor, though, you're right, Josh. Since that COVID break, they have not been the same team. And both North Carolina and Wisconsin have the talent to compete with them. Now, obviously, both those teams have had major flaws this year. Wisconsin, it was amazing to me that Greg Gard called this a quote-unquote young team. They start five seniors. Yeah. 
Like they are not. It's, they are anything but a young it's an team. Definition of young. Yeah, um, maybe young in age, but the Wisconsin starting lineup is older than the Chicago Bulls <laughs> starting lineup. I'll tell you. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. <laughs> the average age is older than the Bulls. I think also more than the Hawks, and there's like one or two other teams as yeah. well. So don't give me that great guard. I have my great guard <laughs> issues. I, this is not a anti-great guard podcast no. for me to rant about him, but for real, though. Out seriously. of the South, if... Okay, so if Baylor does not return to midseason form when they were amazing, if it's not going to be Baylor, um, Ohio State was Mm -hmm. really impressive this year. They handle high-speed teams like Ohio State. They handle slow-down teams. They can really go against anybody. Um, I also really like the Big 12 this year. It was the Mm -hmm. second-best league. so you know that Texas Tech went through battles. You see, know, you know, um, West Virginia went through battles. Yeah. See, when I was just doing my my just my gut bracket, which is the first one I always do, I had Texas Tech in the Final Four. Interesting, yeah, Chris Beard. That was good team. That was my uh, that was just my one gut. That was my low seed. That was my lowest seed that made it to the Final Four for me. And I just I, I don't know why I like Chris Beard a lot. Obviously, they have that experience they've been there before at least some of those guys have been there before obviously it's been uh two years since they were there but that's a that's a really good coach a good program from a tough conference and if Baylor's gonna falter I could see I could see Texas Tech who you know played them well this season taking them down there and you know they would meet in the Elite Eight were that to happen uh then the Midwest Josh is I hate doing it, man, but Illinois looks really good. Illinois is good. phenomenal. Um, they uh, are one of the hottest teams coming in this conference, coming in this tournament, if not the hottest. Um, really good down the stretch. Obviously, won the Big Ten tournament, um, but mm-hmm. unlike Gonzaga, there's some traps in this bracket for them. Second round. If it goes chalk, they're taking on Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago, they don't get scheduled by Illinois very often. That's <laughs> going to be that chip on their shoulder again. Sister, uh, Sister Jean's yeah. going to be in the house. Um, the potential Sweet 16 matchup for Illinois, you have Tennessee, who is a very mm-hmm. up-and-down team, but great coach there with Rick Barnes, or Oklahoma State, who has Cade Cunningham. That's probably the best player on the yeah, court. Yeah, who's... Yeah, who's who's going to be the best player on the court on pretty much any court he steps on in terms of pure talent? Now, I would still say Garza yeah. at Iowa is the best collegiate basketball Agreed. player. Cunningham obviously has the most NBA upside of any of yeah. these guys. But when it comes to being a college basketball player, there's no one better than Garza in my, in my uh, mind. The second part of the bracket opens up a little bit more for... Illinois, uh, you have that West Virginia team I mentioned earlier. Um, the pa- the Big Twelve is just really good. So if you're looking like oh West Virginia three seed, well they're actually pretty good. What's interesting in this region is the two seed is Houston. Really mm-hmm. good team I test. Really good record. The American Conference not very good this year. So yeah. what are they? It, it wouldn't surprise me i don't think i'll do it in my brackets because well i've seen clemson and Rutgers play but 
Clemson Rutgers had a lot more battles this year. So it, it, it's For interesting sure. there. And then the East, um, the East, I think, is very similar to the South in that it's wide open. Michigan was great this year, but uh, one of their key contributors, Livers, is out indefinitely with what's being called a stress fracture, I've seen. So we don't know if he'll ever come back in this tournament. That's 11 mm-hmm. points per game off their team. And um, prior to the uh, game against uh, Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament, they I believe they were 6-6 six and six the last two years when Livers doesn't play. And they obviously lost that game. So a very different mm-hmm. team. That's interesting. Georgetown might be the second hottest team coming to this tournament. I mean, they 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 made the big run in the Big East tournament, even though Patrick Ewing was getting stopped by the security guards yeah. at Madison Square Garden. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a team that's very intriguing. If you're looking for a dark horse based on seeds, but not necessarily a dark horse based on the name, um, I'm gonna. I, I have a feeling you're gonna say UConn. No, I'm actually gonna say Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State beat Michigan and beat Illinois. They are a sneaky, good team. They're streaky. They've got flaws. But if they put it all together, they should beat free-falling UCLA in the first four game. Then they play BYU. Mm -hmm. That's a winnable game. The next round, they play Texas. Texas started hot, fade in the middle has finished strong. Um, So Texas is the hotter team between those two. But it's not a world beater. They could beat that Texas Mm -mm. team. Alabama, great season. SEC, not a very strong conference this year. So you don't know what Bama, you don't really know what Bama is. Um, So the East is wide open. I've got Gonzaga as my national champion. Um, They were... Every bit as good as their record indicates this year. This is not a Wichita State, UMass situation where it's a uh, team where the light... Paper Tiger. Not even a Paper Tiger. I just want to say a team where uh, everything went right for them. And, you know, they they probably should not have been a one seed or an undefeated team. um, But they, they managed to win all their close games and just the stars aligned for having a, a really good roster in a not great conference. Well, Gonzaga was just obliterating everybody. There was no game that they were like, wow, that's lucky that Gonzaga kept their winning streak going. They absolutely throttled Iowa. Their team is just incredible ball movement. They remind me of that NBA champion Spurs team. That just pass, 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 wide open look, done. They are mm-hmm. yeah, that like a tw- the twenty fourteen yeah, Spurs. They are a great shooting team. They're also long and big, so they can go up against anybody in the post. I mean, we saw it against Iowa when they dominated this team. Yeah, against yeah, Luca Garza got his points, but it was not easy. It was not an efficient day for Luca. So Gonzaga to me is head and shoulders. The best team in this tournament. They're also the one of the healthiest teams in the tournament. I haven't heard a sniff about 
any contributor being tweaked, any contributor having a COVID scare, they are locked in. And I think uh, returning to an NBA parallel with the Spurs, uh, remember when the Spurs lost to the Heat in a finals that they choked up and then they came back the next year dominated the nba then dominated the tournament blew the doors off of them well gonzaga was supposed to be a one seed last year gonzaga was supposed to be oh this is the year they finally win the national title after falling in the title in the Mm -hmm. title game a few years ago they didn't get that opportunity they've been laser focused all year um they're just they're phenomenal um but that's the beauty of this tournament is who knows maybe they come out and shoot two of 20 from three point range and two key players roll their ankles and Norfolk state upsets them i mean this is the beauty of the tournament yeah and you know it's so weird not seeing kentucky or duke in the tournament it's fine it's refreshing uh-huh. But it's yeah. a little weird. You, okay, so Josh has yeah, Gonzaga you, winning. Who are the Who are your other three in the final four? Uh, I love this Illinois team. I've yep. got them. The South. The yep. South is mayhem, but mm-hmm. I think I am going to trust Baylor to get back on track now that the games matter again. Mm-hmm. They did okay. look a little bit better in the. Uh, conference title or a conference tournament the east i just have a hard time with that liver's injury unfortunately i I think Mm -hmm. i think with him i would like michigan going a little bit further um but i am going to say that texas started great they are seven and six against they're seven and six against top 25 teams which is an absurd amount they faded in the middle, regrouped at the end, won their conference tournament. They're hot again. I've got Texas coming out of a very chaotic East bracket. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, you and I share two of the four Final Four teams. I've got Gonzaga and I've got Illinois. Uh, like I told you before, I've got Texas Tech coming out They're of the South. They're a team, yeah. Out of the East, this is a little bit of a curveball, but I've got Florida State. Ooh, Leonard Hamilton's team. He's a phenomenal coach. Leonard Hamilton and them boys. I think this is one of the most talented teams that Hamilton has. They've rounded into form well in the second half of the season. They are as athletic as anyone. They're, if Assuming they get they get by Greensboro and the winner of Colorado Georgetown, they will presumably face Michigan in the Sweet 16. And with Michigan being a little bit hobbled, I just I love their athleticism to be able to slow down Michigan. And like like we've said before, if it's Alabama, Al- the SEC was dog poo <laughs> this year. And you know, so oh. I, I could see a Florida State Texas mm. Elite Eight game, and that being a really really good game. But I just I really like this Florida State team, um, and so that that puts Gonzaga versus Florida State on one outside of the bracket, and uh, Texas Tech versus Illinois on the other side of the bracket. I do have the chalky title game Gonzaga Illinois, yeah. but I'm I'm going the reverse of you. I'm taking Illinois. That'd be good for the Big Ten. This one, 
um, mostly just mostly just to fade your <laughs> pick. No, I'm just kidding. Um, mostly because uh, Illinois just went through the Big Ten Conference, which is the best conference by a couple degrees of magnitude this year. Yeah, and I just saw them, frankly, dominant. Yep. And I was, I, I'm just I'm amazed at the balance of this Illinois the, team. The one worry I would and, have about Illinois, if I was a diehard Illinois fan, is. Uh, the Big Ten refs this year um, forgot their whistles at home. This league just mm-hmm. beat itself up, not because it was so deep, but because they literally just pounded on each other for 40 minutes. And, That's and true. Illinois um, does a they're they're physical, physical team. team. They're one of the most physical And they do teams. a lot of hand-checking. If they get a ref mm-hmm. with a tight whistle, this that... I, I mean, I'm. This is not hyperbole. They they could send the other team in the double bonus with ten minutes left and a half. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I, I definitely understand that. But just going off of what agreed. I've seen this season, I just I believe that Illinois is the most battle tested, and I, that's what I want to yeah. see. I, mean, I want to see the most battle tested team, the the team that's been in the tough close grind it out game you asked for throughout the season some dark horses i'll I'll throw a couple teams at you in each region um okay the gauchos of uc santa barbara Mm. have uh just a pure sharpshooter on their team they're a really good team creighton and they have the and they have the best mascot in the Uh, tournament creighton strange year Ending with uh, with McDermott and, and what he said, uh, we saw this team get absolutely obliterated in the Big East title game. Not sure what their headspace is, and then Ohio in the the twelve and thirteen seed. Ohio gets a Virginia team, which is really interesting in that they still have players as of yesterday when I saw the article still in quarantine. So yep. uh, those are an interesting twelve and thirteen seed. Uh, over in the south, we, we've sort of talked about how this region has some very, mm-hmm. some very weird teams. Uh, Colgate, fourteen and one on this year, they are one of the highest octane offenses in the country. They average mm-hmm. a ton of points. They're one of the leaders in the entire country. Aren't they like pushing ninety points a game? It's or something absurd. Like that? Yeah, um, that's just yeah. not what teams normally see. Maybe they catch. A hot streak. So that's an interesting team to keep an eye on. Uh, in the Midwest, uh, it's weird to say um, because, well, they went to a Final Four recently and, and they're an eight seed. Uh, but Loyola is an interesting team. They're, they're really well coached. Oh, yeah. They're a very interesting um, team. I would also say I'm curious about this Oregon State team. They won their first ever Pac-12 tournament. And I, by first ever, I mean they did ever won it as the Pac-8, the Pac-10, the Pacific Coast Conference, straight up first ever conference tournament title. Uh, they're kind of playing with house money. It's always fun to see a team do that. Plus, when you have a power, yeah, for sure. when you have a power conference team on the twelve line, it's always kind of interesting how that plays out. And you know, you mentioned Rick Barnes, but Rick Barnes has not had the most tournament success in his career. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. And then the East. Um, the East is also kind of interesting because you have Georgetown, similar situation as Oregon State. Yep. You have well, and then potentially Michigan State yeah, too. Exactly, it's an interesting, interesting region. 
Um, but also, I want to give some love to the Bonnies, the nine seed. Mm. Uh, they play a really workmanlike style. They're a, a hard as nails defensive team. Um, they won the Atlantic. They bring their yeah, lunch they, pail, put on their they hard They won hat. the Atlantic Ten Conference tournament um, in a really impressive game. I I like that. If I had to stake my claim to any of these teams that I've mentioned, um, I would stake my claim on Winthrop. And the reason is they're 23 and one this year. They're a really good team. They're playing a banged up Villanova team. Villanova is about as banged up as any team in the country yeah. right now. I mean, they are being he- yeah. held together with, you know, with dental floss yeah. and duct so, tape and the the seams from Jay Wright's uh, $10,000 so, suits. You know, they're going to be a popular pick to win the 12 seed, but you asked for a dark horse. Well, in the next round, they'll play either Purdue or North Texas. Uh, Matt Painter has had just an absolute bum luck in tournament games of having inexplicable early exits. Why not add 2021 to that? Well, then in the Sweet 16, they would get the winner of Baylor, Hartford, North Carolina, or Wisconsin. Well, you have Baylor, who we talked about not playing their best basketball right now, and two fundamentally flawed power conference teams. Let's say, just for argument's sake let's say wisconsin gets hot and wins two games that's gonna be that would take that would take an act of god well that's that's gonna then mean they get cooled off for an entire week (laughs) of games i I think winthrop in a one game scenario could beat any of those teams then you get to Mm -hmm. the elite eight well i mean i don't know your definition of cinderella but 12 seeded winthrop in the elite eight has already qualified as a Cinderella run. So mm-hmm. if I was to stake a claim on any of these teams, I think Winthrop's the intriguing one. Ooh, I, li- I like that a lot, Josh. I think that this is going to be a wild, wild tournament. Uh, my my 12-5 upset that I feel most confident in is Santa Barbara over Creighton. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that obviously, you know, it, it's a 12-5 every year that we talk about. But if I'm looking for a, you know, real Cinderella run, and I think that has to be a double-digit seed, you know, even if my, our, my Gauchos get to the next round, you know, I could see them, you know, I could see them being the winner of Virginia, Ohio, but then they're going to run into that Gonzaga buzzsaw in the Sweet 16. Yeah. And so if we're looking to, for them to go to the Elite Eight, Josh, I love that with Winthrop pick. I really do. So kudos well, the, to you, The my lowest friend. seed to ever win the NCAA tournament is the eight seed. Mm-hmm. The uh, Villanova team with the perfect 10 for 10 second half. This was pre-shot clock. Um, over uh, a Georgetown. Yeah, Patrick Ewing team. Uh, mm-hmm. We got yeah. Lon Kruger's Oklahoma team. We got Roy Williams' North Carolina team. Porter Moser's Loyola Chicago team. That would be their second Final Four under him. And then we got, ugh, Will Wade, <laughs> the the cheater at LSU. Uh, yep. Out of those, uh, how funny would that be? Duke doesn't make the NCAA tournament. 
and eight-seated Roy Williams wins. Well, the other thing that the other thing that, that I know is going to happen is that what is Syracuse like an eleven seed, they are. something like that? They are. Syracuse, Syracuse. Whenever they're high seeds, they, they bust out, except for the Carmelo Anthony year. Whenever they're low seed, they go on an inexplicable <laughs> run. So the, watch, like watch for Syracuse to make the Elite Eight this year. You know, if they can get past their best ga- best opponent, might be their opening round opponent. San Diego State is absurdly hot down the stretch. Yeah, um, but that's something but San Diego State is tournament chokers every year. True. Yeah. So, um, well, right. just one last thing, just because it's always fun, and we're normally a college football podcast, but you know I am a diehard hoops fan. Uh, just, oh, yeah. just some shout outs. Probably going to be very, very, very short stays, uh, but some teams worth noting: Appalachian State in their first four. Uh, this is mm-hmm. their first tournament in quite yep. a spell. Uh, Hartford out of the American East making their first ever NCAA tournament. Hats off to them. Drexel making their first one since the early 90s. Well done, them. And then, last but not least, our old friend Cleveland State. The, the team, I've done the Jerry Tarkanian line tons and tons and tons, and I always change the schools about like, oh, the, the NCAA yeah. is so angry at Texas. They put Rice on probation. The, yeah, Ohio State. Yeah, the original teams in this were Kentucky and Cleveland State. The original Jerry Tarkadian quote was, the NCAA is so mad at Kentucky, they put Cleveland State on probation. So there we go. There you go. Well done. Well, no matter what team you want to bet on, head on over to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Take Josh's advice to the bank. He's one of the best tournament handicappers I know. Uh, one thing that I did not see coming, however, uh, this week was a big upset in the Colonial. Maine Black Bears beat the Albany Great Danes and their great quarterback, Jeff Undercuffler, uh, 38-34 to in one of the most exciting, high-scoring games of the weekend. And, Josh, what really amazed me is that Albany, in their opener against UNH, had a really, really solid defensive performance against my Wildcats. Uh, the Black Bears ran just all over Albany. 249 yards on only 17 carries. That's, I mean, those are statistics that are just absolutely mind-blowing well, to me. <laughs> they threw it all over. Oh, they threw it all over them. I sh- I'm sorry, I should say. I don't know why I said running, but they did throw it all over. Yeah, Joe they Fang- also ran for 100. Yeah, well, they also threw it. For, they also ran for 167 yards, but um, they. Also, they threw for four touchdowns, which is just, I, I could not believe that Albany was just giving up points left and right. And it's not like it was a turnover fest either. No interceptions from either team. One fumble by Maine that was lost. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm happy for Maine, uh, you know, that, that they were able to pull this one out. Um, after their opening week loss. But, Josh, what's your biggest takeaway from this one? Well, the lack of defense is a big one. Um, you know, under Cuffler, 
was a little bit off. 14 to 36 for only 147 yards, not his best game. But his, I think his coaches actually let him down because it was apparent he was not having his greatest day, and he was getting phenomenal run support by Carl Mofer. believe I'm saying that right, mm-hmm. M-O-F-O-R, yep. Mofer, I hope. Uh, Mofer. 30 carries, 155 yards, five yards a pop, two touchdowns. Well, why is he only carrying it 30 times? But more importantly, two key drives. Albany's up 20 to 17. Maine has just punted. The previous drive, you had an awesome touchdown drive and two plays, 63 yards. This is your time to take control of the big momentum. And what do they do? They run it once, and then... Incomplete pass, incomplete pass, and then they punt. Now, this was down at their two-yard line. So the punt sets up Maine for a 29-yard drive. Your back is up against the wall. You're running the ball really well today. I would have done three straight runs. Mm-hmm. Why? Why are you doing that? Don't get it. And then at the end of the game, it's 38-34. There's four minutes left in the half. Well, left in the game, not the half. Um, Plenty of time. First and 10. What did they do? Incomplete pass. And then what do they do? Well, then they run it. And now they're facing a third and long, and they pass it again. Their running game has been working. I would have honestly run it on first down and second down. And then, if you need to pass on third, so be it. But you have a quarterback who's a little bit off. He's obviously pressing. And it's the last drive of the game. And you're saying, all right, kid, go out and win it for us, uh, despite not playing your best game. That's a lot of pressure. I don't get those offensive calls. Yeah, I I don't quite understand it either. And, you know... Good for Maine, and I think that, you know, the big key takeaway for me in this one is that Maine had 10 more minutes of yeah. time possession yeah. than Albany did. And I think that goes back to what you're talking about with the play calling, Josh. We also, we also just before that last drive, um, just horrible special teams moment. Uh, <clears throat> setting up the last drive for Albany before they punted and then they never got the ball back because Maine was able to run the clock out. But... Um, the kickoff was 58 yards. It was returned just 11 yards to the 46-yard line. Mm-hmm. But there's a holding that brought the Ugh. ball all the way back to the 9-yard line. Unless you have, like, Tim Dwight, Devin Hester, or, like, your special teams is super on point, you got to have a rule that says, hey, if the kick is this bad, if we're going to get the ball at the 30-yard line, or in this case, better than the 30-yard line, they got... Yeah, like the 36. You take the fair catch. Yeah. And you don't put those blockers in a position of messing that all up for you. But c'est la vie. C'est la vie. Um, Well, let's move on to our next game that we're going to talk about. And Josh Nichols... Uh, they put up 337 total yards in this one, which isn't like 
bad, especially at the FCS level. But they also, you know, when was the last time you saw a team get 337 total yards and lose by 54 points? Mm, yes. Uh, Sam Houston State, the Bearcats, with a K. Uh, their quarterback, Eric Schmid, not my college roommate, Eric Schmidt. Uh, Eric Schmid, uh, 366 yards and six touchdowns in this one. Uh, Sam Houston State absolutely rolls over the kernels of Nichols. On top of that, they rush for another 190 yards. And even though uh, they had two turnovers themselves, Nichols could not hold on to the ball. Three fumbles, and, and they threw for a pick. Uh, it was just a... It was almost a comedy of errors at one point that Sam Houston just absolutely blew the crap out of them. And that was pretty amazing because a couple weeks ago, Nichols put up 71 points themselves in a separate game. Well, which was, you know, when, when they, uh, I sh- I'm sorry, 71. They put up 87 points, I should say, uh, f- f- uh, three weeks ago against Lincoln College. Now, to be fair, Lincoln's a D2 school, so not quite the same, but uh, they put up 50 they won they beat Lamar 55 nothing, and that's a conference game, yeah. and that was only a couple weeks back. So, oh how the tables have turned. Well, I mean, look, there's no <laughs> I'm not going to hide it or lie about it or anything silly like that. I mean, I don't care. I picked Nichols to cover. Yes, you did. And look, Football's a really weird sport because here's the thing. Nichols got out to a really good start. Mm-hmm. They they punt it, okay, but then they pick off Sam Houston, and that sets up a touchdown. 21-yard uh, drive. Boom, they're up 7 nothing. They force the Bearcats to punt again. They march right down the field and missed a field goal. So at that juncture in the game, Nichols and not the not not, not just yeah. and this wasn't a long field goal. This is a twenty-eight yeah. yard field goal that they it, missed. This is this, this is a yeah. gimme. At this juncture in the game, Nichols is playing way better. Then they force Sam Houston. And Josh, oh, so we hold on. We got to talk about the punt. The punt itself <laughs> went for it was a they were already backed up to their own fifteen, and it was basically a twenty-yard punt. Yep. Like they got the ball from a punt in plus territory. Yep. They only had to go forty yards to score, and they went twenty and, and they missed the field. And that's that's a big turning yep. point. Obviously, you know, they get the ball back to Sam Houston. Sam Houston's get, starting in fits and spurts and fits yep. and spurts. Yeah. So after that missed field goal, Sam Houston punts again. The defense holds. Then Nichols punts. All right, it's still seven nothing. But like Nichols is scrapping really hard. Sam Houston scores a touchdown. That's the end of the first quarter. Next quarter. This is where things went crazy. Nichols punts. Sam Houston hits a field goal to go up 10-7. Nichols punts. Houston has a nice drive. 80-yard drive. They go up 17-7. And you're thinking, okay, well, all right. Sam Houston's had their spurt if Nichols just settles down. And then this is where you mentioned the turnovers, Matt. Pick six. Mm. Then it's suing drive. Punt. Sam Houston touchdown. Now it's thirty to seven. Nichols gets a field goal at the end of the half to make it thirty to ten. Sam Houston opens with a touchdown the next to start the next half. Fumble touchdown. <laughs> so now it's forty three to ten. Next drive for Nichols fumble returned 
for a touchdown <laughs> to make it 50 to 10. Football's a football's Josh, a I, weird I believe sport. there's I believe there's a saying for that. Uh that escalated quickly. It did. It did. I mean, uh if you're Nichols, you just have to feel like, you know what? This is one of the most bizarre games that we've had in I don't know, maybe five, ten years. Who knows? It, it's not really indicative of where these two teams are. Uh, Nichols was really good coming into this game. Are they 54 points worse than Sam Houston? No. But that's the beauty of our, the sport that we love so much, Matt. Mm-hmm. You can have weird games like this. And... Hats off to Sam Houston for taking advantage of all those opportunities that Nichols gave. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to talk about one of the most hard-fought games of the weekend in the MVFC. Josh, your Northern Iowa Panthers lost a heartbreaker to the Salukis, 17-16 to in this one. Oh, it was so close. Uh, Northern Iowa... They miss a field goal, a 30-yarder with seven seconds left. Seven seconds left that would have won the game for them. Josh, uh, another another really tough loss for, for the Panthers early, early here in this season. Uh, they lost a four-point game to South Dakota State to start the year. Now they lose a one-pointer to Southern Illinois. But... They're still one of the strongest teams in the country. The MVFC is just that good and that deep. Tell me about this one, Josh. What to you is the biggest thing that stands out? Well, the, the, the biggest thing that stands out comes courtesy of one of my best friends in the world and you and I alum, Mr. Cam Ernest, who I believe has appeared on our show once or twice. Um, this team has literally, in his words, no red zone offense <laughs> and and it plays out that way. Um, and he credits the lack of a good running game for that red zone issues. And it, it's hard hard not to see that. Uh, in their first drive that produced a field goal, they had a third and one. Run for no gain. They have to settle for a field goal. The line of scrimmage was the eight-yard line. Then uh, next scoring drive, a field goal. Well... That one ended at the Southern Illinois 17. Two red zone trips, six points. Then they missed a field goal. The line of scrimmage for that one, the seven-yard line. Three red zone trips, three field goal attempts, two makes. Then in the second half, another field goal. This one came from the 23-yard line, just outside the red zone, except, well, on the previous play, they lost yardage. (laughs) Um... (laughs) they lost a couple yards and then they had a penalty which pushed them back outside of the red zone but that was another red zone trip so that's uh i believe four red zone trips with well i skipped over their touchdown so uh five red zone trips four field goal attempts and three makes uh plus the game missed then, the, it's actually six and then, then the, the final the one which they were one. at the 13 yep. yard line yeah so um we diagnosed it. Cam diagnosed it. The coaches obviously will have diagnosed it. Uh, you got to get a running game in that red zone. And, well, how do they do that? I think 
that they need to start throwing in a little bit of some RPO stuff in the red zone. Okay. Um, in the highlights that I saw going back over this game, I saw a lot of we're in the red zone. Let's let's try and do some power. I didn't love it. And when you look mm-hmm. at their quarterback, Will McLeaven, and you look at his rushing stats last year, I, think, I thought it was I thought it was McLevin. McLevin, whatever. McLevin. When you look at his rushing stats, he averages about two yards a carry for his career, and he's not insignificant. He's listed at 5'11", 200. So I think even if he's slow, giving a little bit of an RPO look and getting the offense or getting the defense just to think about it a little bit, uh, I think that's a way for you and I to maybe get their offense going a little bit better inside the red zone. Because as Matt or as Cam put it, the opponent's just dropping seven players in coverage. And then you mm-hmm. and I can't run yep. the ball. So it's that, to me, would be a fix. Yeah. And the other thing uh, I, I see so many teams do, it, unless you have a truly dominant dis- receiver or someone like Gronk, why are you trying to throw the fade? Mm-hmm. Why are you throwing the fade? It drives me insane. It absolutely drives me insane. Anyhow, I digress. Let's head over to uh, the game, which uh, I was probably most excited about this week. That was UC Davis at Weber State. Uh, Weber State wins this one 18-13. I thought this was going to be a higher-scoring affair, and Davis actually looked like they were going to come out and you know do some work on Weber State. They were winning 10-0 at halftime. Weber State gets 15 in the third and closes it out there in the fourth. They made UC Davis, Hunter Rodriguez, look very pedestrian after he had a great opener against Idaho. But uh, overall, you know, not a ton of yards in this one. This was a defensive battle between two teams that, frankly, I thought would have more offense, which uh, surprised me quite a bit. Uh, but I think the biggest key for me in this game was that Weaver State was able to pick off Hunter Rodriguez twice in this one. And not only that, but they were able to intercept him at really key moments of the game when Davis, uh, you know, got a big stop and was able to get the ball back and then interception. These were both down there in the, in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I, I think that if either one of those drives, if he doesn't throw a pick and he's able to guide the team down, we might be seeing we might be seeing a different tune. But kudos to Weber State for really clamping down in the second half and preventing Davis from holding on to the lead. Josh, uh, you know, Weber State stays undefeated and presumably stays number one in the country. Yeah, you you just see the complete package for. Weber State, you know, th- this is a game where their offense does nothing in the first half. They get shut out in the first half, make those necessary adjustments, score 15 in the third, 18 for the second half. Defense was phenomenal, but also the special team contribution. Here's a punter's stat line for you, Matt. 
uh, Mackenzie Morgan, eight punts, 305 yards. Five of those eight punts end up inside the 20. You want to help your defense out? I mean, this is why the punting game matters. It's a field position. You can flip the field in a 49-yard punt, but you can also pin your opponent back. Yeah, I, I think it's pinning. I, I think it's that because people look at it and say, he only averaged like 38 yards a kick. That's not like fantastic. But it's putting so many of those inside the 20 and not getting the touchbacks. I mean, so again and again and again, Davis was behind the eight ball when it came to field position. And that is something that really helped the Wildcats of Weaver State come out on top in this one. And also, you know, kudos Weaver State. They also didn't, you know, shoot themselves in the foot. Every single drive ended in a kick for them. Now, that might have meant it was a punt, like they did it eight times, but they did not turn the ball over. And, you know, so we just, Davis was never able to really get any momentum, especially starting, especially in that second half at all. So, really nice work by. Weaver State wasn't the prettiest of games, but it's a victory nonetheless. And they had into uh, they had into what I guess is depending on who you ask, it's either week five or week eight or week seven. Every different site seems to have it listed differently um, as to what quote unquote week this is this spring. Weaver State still one of the top teams in the country. Uh, they're going to be uh, actually they are officially now number three. James Madison is still number one, with North Dakota actually jumping them to become hmm. number two um, in the official the bison. NC. The bison. No, 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 not the bison, sir. Not North Dakota State. North Dakota. The Fighting Eagles. Uh, screaming Eagles. Fighting Eagles. I don't know. I, I, I still call them the Fighting Sioux, even though I know I, I shouldn't, but I'm just, I'm used to that. They're the Fighting Hawks, Josh. The Fighting, fighting Hawks. Hawks. There we go. R- wrong bird of prey. There we go. Um, well, let's talk about those birds of prey um, in here in just a second when we move to spread formations. But before we do that, I want to t- take a second to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether it's rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for on the original sneaker marketplace. That's eBay. They're the place to go to snap up that pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. Their team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated all selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So head on over to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. I don't think the shoe I'm wearing right now would be on eBay sneaker selection, Matt. What What are you wearing right now, Josh? Oh, we got uh, we got Quest of some new uh, dog safe slippers to chew through, and so uh, I'm wearing them right now to get them some uh, some stink. So. Oh, good. Oh, good. I'm wear. Uh, I think mine. would I, I I got I got I got my usual Nike Air Maxes on right now. So I think you might find those over there on uh, on eBay with the uh, 
white, red, and gray colorway. I think it's pretty yeah. nice. I think it's pretty nice. Well, I'm, our, I'm our listeners can't can't see this, but since you are and I are video, I can. So oh yeah, we got Josh, some rabbit are... ears. There we go. Oh, that's nice. They still have the tag on them. I know. We literally just bought them today. Good work. Good yeah, work. I'll take the tag off when I give them to her. Um. Well, Josh, last week was not your best week. Uh, when it came to picking games, what did I do? Uh, oh, and three. Three and oh, that's not bad. There we go. <laughs> uh, Coach, who is unfortunately uh, not here with us this evening, he was the best last week. He went two and one. I went one and two. <laughs> that's why he's on vacation. He, he doesn't want to yeah, ruin his hot streak. in on those. Yeah, he cashed in over at Bet Online over uh, oh. on those games. Uh, we'll start tonight. Uh, we were just talking about him. North Dakota, North Dakota State. The number two versus number four teams in the country. This is, uh, frankly, a clash of titans. This is going to be one of the games of the year. The Bison, the Fighting Hawks, the battle for the Badlands. Do they have a trophy for this game? I don't. Is it, it known as the have, Battle of the Badlands? Did you just make that up? I just made that up. I love it. I, should... I I'm actually I'm here for it. So if it's not already called the Battle of the Badlands or the battle for the Badlands, I really think that it should be. Um, I don't know. If they have a trophy, maybe the Standing Rock trophy? Hmm. Yeah, could be something. Yeah, we got something there. Either way, uh, Fighting Hawks of North Dakota, their first year in the MVFC, all they've done is start their season off 4-0. and oh. Last week they beat the Leathernecks of Western mm. Illinois, 38-21. to 21. Uh, North Dakota you know State. What that, just, you know what that nickname is? What's that? It's like a nickname that Marines give fellow Marines. And Western Illinois got like approval, I think, from the Marines to use it. That's the most random school to get that approval. Then, like, I guess they're why, the only ones that asked. I don't know. I guess I don't know. Um, <laughs> th- last week, North Dakota State struggled a little bit at home with Illinois State, uh, but managed to come out with a victory, twenty-one to thirteen. Josh, this doesn't quite look like the North Dakota State team we've become used to between uh, attrition to the draft and, I don't know, maybe they're getting uh, maybe they're getting a little too comfortable up on the throne. Do you see a way that North Dakota could pull off the upset, even though they're higher ranked? North Dakota State, uh, even though North Dakota's higher ranked, North Dakota State's still a three-and-a-half point favorite at home in this one. I do. Um Scoring is a slog for this North Dakota State team. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw it against Illinois State, scored just 21 points, but their offensive efficiency, not good. Five of 12 on third down, only 287 total yards. They had four turnovers. I mean, how do you win with four to- turnovers? What's in the world's Illinois State doing? Um, they played two quarterbacks. Zeb Noland, who's been the starter all season, finished 6-13 of 13 for 72 yards and two picks. Cam Miller came in through 61 yards on 5-7. of seven. He was also their leading rusher. Um, so not a lot going offensively for this Bison team. And, and when you look at their schedule so far, this is not a one-off reading too much into the tea leaves. I, I mean, here's their... Here's their schedule so far. Uh, Let's ignore the Central Arkansas game back in October. Uh, Youngstown State, 25-7. to 
but got just 74 passing yards by Noland. Mm-hmm. It was more a reflection on the opponent. Youngstown State's not good this year. Then they lose to Southern Illinois. Then they beat up Missouri State. But Noland, again, just 135 passing yards. They shut them out. That was a great defensive performance. The defense put the offense in a position to succeed. Against Illinois State, 21-13. to 13. They're grinding games out and winning in spite of this offense. Well, North Dakota's the exact opposite. 44 points against that same Southern Illinois team. 28 mm-hmm. against South Dakota State. Uh, 21 against South Dakota. Um, but their defense showed up really nicely in that one, 21 to 10. And then Western, 38 points. Uh, their quarterback for uh, North Dakota, Tommy Schuster, he's gotten better each and every week, including 328 passing yards. I- I- I'm sorry. I know most people are going to say, oh, the Bison are going to win it. This is the week North Dakota falls back to earth. You know, the Bison are the proven commodity. I don't care that North Dakota State has won so many national titles over the last several years. All I can do is assess the two teams on how they're playing right now, and one is scoring at will, and the other is stuck in neutral. And I'm going to take the team that's scoring at will. Maybe this turns into Sam Houston State Nichols again, and I get embarrassed in a week. But I don't care. The smart thing to do right now on Tuesday night is to take the Fighting Hawks. So I've got them winning. We're going to be embarrassed together because I'm also taking the Fighting Hawks. This has been a dream season for the Fighting Hawks. And North Dakota State's out of sorts. They're just, they're not the same team. And I don't know if that's because they don't know what to do without Trey Lance. I don't know if that's because, you know, they don't have as much experience as they're used to. They've graduated a bunch of guys. But, you know, it's it's in the Unidome, Unidome, it's in the Fargo Dome, which gives me some pause. But North Dakota's a team on a mission, and... I don't think they're going to over. Obviously, not going to overlook this game. I don't think they're going to get like psyched out about it because, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of the shine is off North Dakota State right now. They've lost a little bit of their luster. That doesn't mean I th- think that North Dakota is going to be, you know, lulled into a sense of complacency. But I like the Fighting Hawks here an awful, awful lot. I'm going to take them to win out. I'm, I mean, I, I'm also going to take them to win out right, but definitely cover that three and a half point spread. Let's stick in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Uh, South Dakota State, two-point favorite on the road at that Southern Illinois team that beat North Dakota State uh, to give them their first loss in Lord knows how long. Uh, Southern Illinois, their only loss this season is at North Dakota in their season opener. All they've done since then is beat North Dakota State, beat Youngstown State, and as we mentioned earlier in the show, beat Northern Iowa. They're looking pretty good. Uh, South Dakota State, they had that loss to that same North Dakota team. Besides that, they've also beaten Northern Iowa, beaten Western Illinois, and beaten Youngtown State. These two teams are about as evenly matched as you could possibly imagine. With that, South Dakota State, they are a two-point favorite on the road at Southern Illinois. Josh, what do you like? Yeah, I mean, this is a coin flip 
game. I, I think if it was in South Dakota State, I would pick them. Um, but I'm going to go with Southern Illinois purely because it's a home game. For SIU, they get to sleep where they're used to sleeping. They get to have the routine they're used to having. And also South Dakota State, yeah, the same record, similar results. But uh, that Youngstown State game, Youngstown's not projected to be very good. No, they're not. They're really not. And South Dakota State needed a last second field goal, 31 seconds left in the game for them to hit a field goal and win it 19-17. I think Southern Illinois is just playing a little bit better football. Um, They're kind of a mess offensively as well. Um, None of their numbers offensively are are too impressive, but uh, I like what their defense has been doing this year. So... I'm going to take the Salukis for just the fact that it's a home game, and I'm getting a couple points by a ro- by a home dog. I'm going to take South Dakota State. Um, I had them as my, I don't know, dark horse, but uh, w- one of the teams I would like to win it all this year. I just think with that Youngstown State game, they were coming off of a blowout over Western Illinois, and honestly, I just think they were looking past. I think they were just looking past Youngstown State to this game this weekend. I think it was a wake-up call. I think South Dakota State still has more talent from top to bottom than Southern Illinois does. Uh, I like the I, – I especially like the makeup of their offense more um, than I like for uh, – than I like for Southern Illinois. So give me the Jackrabbits. We're going to disagree on that one. Heading over to the Colonial, Delaware – Oh, Delaware. Delaware has started the season off really well. Two extraordinarily strong performances to begin the year. They beat Maine, a team we talked about a little bit earlier, 37-0 at home in one of the most impressive games uh, in the first week of the Colonial. Last week, they beat Stony Brook 31-3. They are on the road to take on my New Hampshire Wildcats, who after that uh, week one uh, of the Colonial, which is like was like week three for uh, FCS, lost to Albany. They got a week off, and they should be well-rested to take on the Blue Hens. Blue Hens still 10-point favorites on the road, Josh. You already know I'm taking the Wildcats. Granite State pride all the way. Delaware is definitely, definitely overlooking the Wildcats because uh, they're worried about that game tilt at Rhode Island the following week. So what side are you taking here? Yeah, 10, 10 points is uh, it's a spread. It's a spread. It's definitely a spread. It's a spread, but I mean, they but they've been one of the most dominant teams this season, yeah, especially as a road favorite. That's a spread. But you know, it's unfair to do. But all we can do is assess what we've seen, and Delaware has started the season two and zero with a combined sixty eight to three scoring difference uh nolan henderson is quarterbacking this team very well uh the defense is in midseason form and so with such a small sample size to go on two games for delaware one game for albany since the you mean unh colonial unh since yeah 
look at they just played Albany since the Colonial started late. There's not a lot to go on, but I see a team that's a really impressive two and zero, and a team that's zero and one. And so I'm gonna take Delaware just to uh, to be the fader here and, yeah. and maybe you'll have maybe you'll have uh you're off week and this is my time to shine but i mean i you know what i just i i'm gonna be the guy that holds on a week too long which is typical okay. of me but I, okay. I i'm you know i'm biased what can i say i have huh. uh more friends that after wisconsin i have more friends that went to unh and probably you know any other yeah. school so I, I will say the thing about delaware if you're looking for an angle i mean their running game has not been the level of their passing game mm-hmm. or their defense. If you're looking for a weakness, they just average 3.8 yards a carry against yeah, that and, Stony Brook team. And and UNH has a, has a good defense, so they do. Um, they really you know, do. Couple good, you know, a couple timely turnovers, big stops. I could see UNH definitely is keeping it close in this one at home. It's their home opener. So uh, finally, uh, we've got. UTC, Chattanooga, the mocks. Uh, after uh, they've actually started this 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 spring season two and zero. Their only loss on the season is actually to Western Kentucky back in October. Uh, they've looked really really solid. Um, they're taking on a three and one Furman team that ever since that upset loss at VMI uh, back on the twenty seventh of February has been struggling frankly yeah they've won their last two games but they needed they needed overtime to beat Samford and they squeaked by East Tennessee 17 to 13 so Furman a team that I picked uh, to win the conference that I picked to win the SoCon this year has not looked like the world beaters I expected nonetheless they're five and a half point favorites at home over the mocks Josh uh, who do you like yeah I mean the Furman just is not they're doing the opposite of Delaware. They're not in midseason form. No. Uh it's it's been fits and starts for this team. And it's tough to know like what are the two to three things we could tweak to enter midseason form. It's hard to know. Uh because, you know, hey, against Samford, their offense is fine. Against VMI, their offense is terrible. Against Western Carolina, offense great. Against East Tennessee, offense not so great. They're too streaky. So that leads to, what's this Chattanooga team doing? And, well, Chattanooga, you mentioned it. They're they're off to a good start here in spring football. 2-0, they beat Wofford, who's a trendy pick also in the conference. And then they survived against the Citadel in overtime. The Citadel's a weird team. By the way, um, uh, they're Owen. They're Owen seven on the year. So you're thinking, okay, they're god awful. Well, four of those games were back in September and October. Yeah, they don't count. And, and one of those games was at Army, which they almost won. <laughs> so they almost had an FCS upset. And then here in uh, spring football, Mercer roughed them up, but Chattanooga in overtime. Western Carolina was a seven-point game. I I don't really know what to make of this Citadel team. I don't think they're as bad as their record. Um, So there's some intriguing stuff about Chattanooga. Having said that, the game is at home. 
the Paladines are finally playing one of the higher considered teams in the conference. I think that Furman brings it together, and I think we finally see Furman in that midseason form as they enter, you guessed it, the midseason. I'm going to go with the Paladins. Yeah, I am too. Just I still think that they have the most talent in the SoCon, and eventually that's got to rise to the top. Um, but we mentioned VMI earlier. Uh, I, I do have to give a special sh- the key deaths, Josh. They entered the FCS polls this week for the first time Ooh. in school history. Hey, there you go. So that's congrats to them. They are ranked 23rd. And since they moved to FCS in 1981 or 82, uh, 82, it is their first appearance in the polls. So kudos to you, VMI. Great work to start the season. I mean, if you look at the, the SOCON standings, they're on top. They're 3-0, and man. Like, good for them. Um, so uh, I think that is the last of the games we are going to cover. And that is going to wrap it up for us here today, Josh, unless, uh, unless I miss something. Well, Arkansas Pine Bluff doesn't have a game this week, so we didn't bury that lead. Um, and Central Arkansas, the other FCS team, uh, well, they played fall football, and it's not doing spring football, so uh, we didn't bury that lead. Uh, so I guess if there's anything we could talk about, it's either the fired coaches or how about our adopted team, the UNI Panthers. What are they up to this weekend? Let's see. Do they have a game? Did we bury anything? I don't I think really we I really don't think anything, that we buried right? anything this weekend, Josh. For the first time ever. Oh. We, we didn't. No, I, I've been doing a lot of excavating anything. recently. Just, just You and I, you and yeah, I is off? They're on a bye. They're on a bye. So, there we go. You and I, definitely the best two-loss oh. team in the country. Yeah, probably. I mean, they they got to get some they're only ranked two, two rank, They're the only ranked two-loss team. Uh, they're ranked number 10. So um, they're ranked ahead of Delaware, which that would actually be a really interesting game. Northern Iowa versus Delaware. That's a game I would definitely pay to that, see. That is intriguing. That's a game I would definitely pay that to see. Intriguing. So, Well, here's some here's some fun football history. Here, we, we buried some football. We buried one lead. Uh, FCS teams are really not known for their bowl games because, well, they don't really have any bowl games anymore thanks to the tournament. And... Back when there was just one huge Division One, well, they weren't very oftentimes invited to bowl games. But UNI has played in two bowl games, Matt. Their record is one and one. Both bowl games were the 1960s. They lost, unfortunately, the 1960 Mineral Water Bowl to Hillsdale. But four years later, they came back and won the Pecan Bowl over Lamar. So those are their two. Uh, Hillsdale is a D two school in Michigan, and Lamar is an FCF school in Texas, right? I'm I'm yeah, positive about Hillsdale. So, um, yeah, wonderful, wonderful stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that, that was the lead we buried the Mineral Water Bowl. Another one of the great defunct bowls. If you go way back in the archives, you will be able to find Josh and I talking about defunct bowl games, uh, which was that was one of my favorite short punts we've ever done. Uh, the, the, we might have to we, we might have to re-release that at some point so 
Yeah, why not? All right, guys. Um, Well, I think that is going to do it for us here today on Illegal Motion. So on behalf of the vacationing coach down there in Naples, Florida, and our intrepid blogger from the accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is the Professor Emeritus in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.